How you doing? Everybody doing okay? Might I ask why you skipped the first third of the chairs in the church here? <laughs> Good morning. Hey, I'm glad you're here. If you're uh, new to the mill, my name's Zach. I'm the pastor here. If you would be kind enough to fill out a welcome card, we would appreciate it. You can do that at the mill.church slash welcome on your smartphone the mill.church slash welcome. You can also do that by putting a hard copy in the box at the back on your way out. It'll just take a second to fill out. We just love to get to know you a little better, learn your name, your kids, their ages, how we can serve your family best. So consider that uh, if you would. And before we get into today's message, I really just wanted to acknowledge uh, what the community of Stanley went through with this, you know, latest uh, storm. Uh, and uh, to the week prior, you know, the lower Midwest and south, you know, northern south Kentucky Mayfield uh, is absolutely flattened if you've seen those uh, videos online. And so I just want to lift up people who have been impacted by these storms. Would you bow your head just for a word of prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that everyone without a home uh, this morning or, or with damage to their home or needing to to live with something, uh, rather with somebody else and with, uh, with insurance adjusters and, and deductibles and contractors and um, safety and health issues and and everything that uh, storms can can bring to bear on on people, I just pray that you would rally this community of Stanley together uh, to build back and to put back and to uh, rebuild uh, what needs to happen there. Lord, I pray that you would be with these people in Kentucky, Lord, and other states uh, who experience just utter devastation, the lives lost, the family members who are still living, that you would bring peace to them, Lord. We just pray that you would send people from around the country to, to help, to rebuild, to clean up, to serve, uh, to make right. Uh, we love you. We trust you, Lord. We know that you care for these people. Let's expedite them getting their lives built uh, back together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, how many of you believe, uh, out of curiosity, that Christmas and no other time of year is the most wonderful time of the year? Just raise your hand so I can see uh, who in here feels that way. Nobody on this entire side, uh, apparently, uh, except for Holly. Uh, okay, a few of us love Christmas, at least. Um, how many of you love uh, watching uh, f movies with your family at Christmas? How many of you wear matching pajamas, your whole family, while you watch said movies? Okay, a couple. All right. How many of you watch, how many of you adults watch Hallmark movies at Christmas time? Derek, you did not admit that. You didn't. Wow, look at you loud and proud back there as a uh, 30-something-year-old man. Whoa. <laughs> um, how many of you like driving around and looking at Christmas lights? Okay, it's kind of fun, huh? How many of you hate the pressure of Christmas? 
All right? Interesting. It's the opposite people that have been raising their hands all along. Uh, how many of you would say, I, I hate the pressure of Christmas, but you know what? Once the lights are up and once there's this nostalgic warm glow coming out of my living room and pouring down the hallways, um, I would kind of have to admit that I relish the sentimentality of Christmas, that it takes me back to childhood or years prior or whatever that specialness is that once everything's up, you're like, ah, it's Christmas. Anybody besides me? All right. Six of us. Okay. So um, I will tell you that if you think about it, it seems like Christmas is really the only holy season that we have left in the United States of America that people enjoy in the masses. Um, I feel like um, it would seem that many pause to look at this Emmanuel who is God with us when they wouldn't pause at other times in the year. Just yesterday, I told my farmer neighbor, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. We see each other multiple times a year, but at Christmas time every year, we see each other. And I said, Merry Christmas, and he smiled, and I smiled, and there was this affection in our tone and that there's not in any other season. It was just quite special. It, it was just a pause and, and a Merry Christmas. I have read that even if you go to New York, you're 2% less likely to get cussed out in traffic during the Christmas season than you are during the rest of the year. So... Um, you know, when the Word became flesh and when the Word dwelled among us, I really do believe that it changed everything, that Jesus' coming changed everything. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to John 1. I hope you have your Bibles with you. If you don't, it'll be on the screen behind you, but there's nothing like being in your own Bible. This is what we read in verses 1 through 4 in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, he was with God in the beginning, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. I want to talk to you about light today. You know, when you build a house, uh, if you've built, designed a house from scratch, darkness is the default. You have to buy the lights. You have to buy big windows to let the light into your home, you have to buy interior lights, you have to buy exterior lights, you have to buy garage lights, you have to buy porch lights, you may desire to buy over-counter lights or under-counter lights in your kitchen. When we built the church, we didn't speak to a darkness contractor. We spoke with a lighting contractor. Where should we put light? And how much light do we need where? And, and how can we have flexibility with our lighting? 
An electrician specializes in how to bring in what? Power and, more specifically, light, right? And so how many of you learned that or were reminded of that this last week? Did anybody lose their power in the storm? We did too for 24 hours, some as much as 48. Um, pretty, pretty wild times. In our souls, I would say that the same is true. Darkness is the default. And the hope of the Christmas season is that light, the light of Jesus, came into the world Last week we talked about the manger. Today I want to talk to you about light. You've heard about inanimate object parties, Halloween parties, where everybody dresses up as an inanimate object. Well, it looks like this is turning out to be an inanimate object sermon series because we're doing two inanimate objects surrounding the nativity uh, in a row. But the light of Jesus is anything I would posit but inanimate. It's active. It's animated, if you will. The light of Jesus changes hearts. The light of Jesus restores marriages. The light of Jesus heals disease. The light of Jesus changes financial pictures. The light of Jesus brings new life into the world. The light of Jesus changes family trees. The light of Jesus changes eternal destinations. God among us, God Emmanuel, God among us, the light of God in dark by default places is a big deal. It's a big deal. So what I want to do this morning is share with you three ways that Christ's light affects us. First, Christ's light is shining through the pain of our past. Will you say that with me? Christ's light is is shining through the pain of our past. In Matthew 1, we find the genealogy of Jesus. I don't make it a habit to read the genealogy of Jesus, but there's a certain point that I want to make this morning. If I were writing the genealogy of Jesus, there's a few people I would have left out. In fact, we know that the Bible writers left certain generations out, but it doesn't seem that they left people out according to morality or lack thereof. Because when I read the genealogies, I'll show you, beginning in verse 2 of Matthew 1, that there's a lot of pain and a lot of sin in the past, in the generations that came before Jesus Christ. Beginning in verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Now, why in the world would Matthew, the gospel writer, mention Tamar in his genealogy of Jesus Christ, a character whose story reveals injustices towards women and the consequences of sexual sin on entire families. Why do you mention Tamar if you're Matthew? And Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, 
and Ram, the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Rahab, the prostitute. Is that who Matthew meant? I believe it was. Mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Lord, God among us, Emmanuel, a prostitute, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. Now, do you remember how Ruth got her husband? Boaz? We studied this a couple years ago. She asked Naomi how to draw attention to herself, how to attract him, and Naomi counseled her to wait till he was drunk <laughs> and then go in to do a little flirting. That's exactly what she did. And we're quick to laugh and to judge, but let me ask you this. How did you meet your husband? <laughs> how did you meet your wife? Okay, some of us have similar stories. Ruth wasn't the only one that was redeemed by Jesus. Amen? Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Let me read that last little phrase to you one more time. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. I mean, if you've ever been embarrassed at your family reunion, okay, please know that Jesus would have been embarrassed at his. He had some dysfunction in his lineage. It's not lost on me that some of you look back in your life and all you see is dysfunction, failure, misery, hurt, loss. In fact, some churches like ours are designing blue Christmas services for people who are dealing with loss during the Christmas season. Services just for them. What I want to share with you is that the hope of Christmas, in it, Jesus' light penetrates us, pierces us, and heals the pain of our past. And I guess more specifically, what I'm saying to you is that I think we read Matthew 1 wrong. I think we read it wrong. I think if we were to read it more correctly, we might read it or rather interpret it this way. Tamar went through familial abuse, but, but there was a sweet moment of reconciliation. Rahab was a harlot, but she saw the faith and hope of the Israelites' spies, and she knew that their God, and not her own pagan God, was the one that she ought to worship. And she, she allowed the light of Christ to shine 
into her whole family, and it changed her family tree. Her whole family was saved. Ruth had a sketchy moment on the threshing floor, but Ruth found herself protected soon in a faithful marriage. And if God can call David a man after his own heart, after he premeditated the murder of the husband of a woman that he met by being her peeping Tom, then I'd submit to you that the light of Christ can shine through the pain of your past this morning. Number two, God's light shines through your present circumstances. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 21. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Before they came together, before they consummated anything, she turns up pregnant. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. What does Joseph think? Joseph thinks Mary cheated. That's what Joseph thinks. He's going to break this off honorably. He's not going to run her through public shame, but he thinks she's been with someone else. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Notice that the angel came to Joseph privately. Notice that we didn't read it, but the angel came to Elizabeth too, if you remember her story, privately. The angel would also come to Mary privately. In other words, there was no announcement to the town. God spoke a word to each of them internally, but their external circumstances didn't change. She still looked pregnant prior to wedlock. So Mary knew that the baby inside of her was from God, but nobody else knew. Did you hear what I just said? By the way, uh, Mary, did you know, fans? How many of you love the song, Mary, did you know? Mary knew. She did. It says it in the text. I hate to burst your bubble. The angel told her. So still, no one else knew. They had to believe and have faith. They didn't see the angel. How many of you have ever felt like God promised you something on the inside. God revealed something to you, promised something to, to you, but nobody else seemed to get that memo. Anybody? Nobody else understood. Nobody else got it. That's church planting, by the way, generally speaking. You want to do what? You want to plant a church. Don't you know how many churches there are out there? There's churches everywhere. Why would you plant a church? Maybe God's told you to start a business. 
and somebody else told you, why would you start a business? You know how risky that's going to be for your family? Are you sure you can provide for them? Maybe God's told you you're going to have a child after a couple of miscarriages. Maybe God's told you, or rather maybe you're ready to mingle, and right now you're still single. What do you do when your external circumstances don't line up with what God has promised? Maybe you're thinking this morning, did God really say that to me? Because it hasn't come true. I will tell you, uh, remind you that Christmas, that, that uh, the light of God's faithfulness is a fact you can absolutely stand on. You can stand on his promises. Let me remind you that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord, the scriptures say. That God is a providential God. He aligns the stars. Let me remind you that he is our refuge and our fortress, our God in whom we can trust. Let me remind you, if you're spent today, if you're weary today, that he and she who refreshes others will themselves be what? Refreshed. That's God's promise. So when your circumstances don't match your hopes, you have to stand on the promises of God's word. The third way his light shines is through you. Is through you. I'm going to place a lot of emphasis on a couple words and what I'm about to say. Okay, I don't know that the words are typically emphasized in this fashion when they're read. Verse 14 of Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. You. See, we can read that. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. But what I'm telling you today is that you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. You are the city on a hill. And Jesus says, let your light what? Shine. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have a wonderful counselor living inside of us. The best, the greatest teacher lives inside of us. Make no mistake about it. God has strategically positioned you. He's positioned you in your workplace. He's positioned you in your home to do what? To be the light of the world. You are the light. He's positioned you in your community to be what? To be the light. So are you willing to speak words of light into dark places this Christmas. 
Are you willing to comfort those around you? Are you willing to encourage? Are you willing to lift up? Are you willing to make straight? Are you willing to submit your schedule to acts of service? A few members of our life group this last Monday night, we went over to Donald Sykes' apartment, and they were glad to host us, and we led 14 out of 16 residents in games of bingo. It was so much fun, y'all. It was just it was just incredible. We played traditional bingo, then we played four corners, then we played blackout. We gave away door prizes, we gave away gift bags with lotions and chapsticks and things older folks would appreciate. We had awarded winners. We brewed coffee. We had treats. I asked them if I could read Luke chapter 2 to them, the story of Jesus' birth. And 13 out of 14 residents said yes. (laughs) One of them decided to take off at that point. That's okay. But 13 of them listened and smiled and eagerly heard the story of the birth of the King of all kings. And I got home. And I told my wife, Shannon, who was watching the kids, I said, Honey, I feel like there is nothing that I could have done this Christmas that would have added value to people more than what I did tonight. I feel like there's, there's no sermon I could have preached There's no shopping or gift giving that I could have done that would have ascribed dignity to people and encouraged people and brought them joy, those who are sometimes overlooked. Are you willing to submit your schedule in the busyness of this season? Because you, you are the light of the world. How can people hear if we don't tell them? Something amazing happens when you say, God, will you use me today? God, will you use me this week? God, will you create an opportunity for me to talk somebody out of despair? Will you you create an opportunity for me to call and encourage someone who's shut in, who's hospitalized, who's sick with COVID. Lord, how might you use me today? It doesn't have to be at Donald Sykes. You can serve here. You can serve by inviting people to Christmas Eve services, 3.30 and 5.30 on Christmas Eve. And you don't have to be perfect to do so because it's not you that heals people. It's Jesus. He doesn't, his light doesn't shine from you. It shines through you. But it shines through you. Emphasis added again. It's through you 
So are you available this Christmas? Are you willing to be utilized by God this season? You got about seven days left. And Christmas is over. How will you be used by the Lord? How will you let his light shine through you? I'm going to do something that's uh, fairly unconventional here. I just want to have an old-fashioned altar call this morning. Chris, if we could just put on a soft, uh, you know, mix or some ambient music or something. I just want to invite you to respond in three ways. I gave you three points, three ways Christ's light can shine. Number one, Christ's light is shining through the pain of our past. Number two, Christ's light shines through your present circumstances. And number three, Christ's light shines through you. So here's the invitation. If you are having a hard time struggling with pain from your past, I'd like to invite you to come down and receive prayer this morning. Uh, Dennis and Brady, will you guys come and join me down here? We're going to pray for you. If you uh, are struggling with darkness from your past, you can come down and receive prayer. If you're struggling through your present circumstances, that's the second one. Just not anything to have to do with your past, something to have to do with your present. And it's hard. You can come down and receive prayer. And third, third, is if you just want to be used by the Lord. And you don't know what that means, but you're just begging God to use you then I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray that you receive that request, that God's promise brings true in your life, and that you find all kinds of ways to serve him. So here's the thing. We sit in here, and everybody waits on the first person to go. And by the time the first person goes, you know, half of the time has passed that we've devoted to this, which is silly. So here's what I'm going to say. Be bold and come up and get prayed for. Oh, we're not going to be crazy. We're not going to alarm you. We're just going to pray for you. That's all we're going to do. We're, we're normal human beings. We have first names. There's nothing fancy about this. We just want to pray for you. So be confident. Hop up. Come down and get prayed for. All right? Let's pray that God will bless this time. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would move during this time, Lord, as we dedicate an altar call to you, Lord, that we would just sense your presence and nearness in this place. Be with us, Lord. Wrap your arms around us. Change us. Put your light inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen.